Welcome to Paranormal, everyone, the non-investigative but still true Paranormal Stories podcast. I'm Nicolina. And I'm Marie. And today we have a very special guest joining us for this Hometown Haunts episode. The legendary Jim Harold is here. Jim has popularized the paranormal genre through literature and through podcasting since 2005. He is most well known for, I would say, hosting the Paranormal Podcast and, of course, Jim Harold's Campfire. But Jim is also a published author with his Campfire series. All five books in the series have been number one uh, supernatural bestsellers on Kindle at various times. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jim. I, I hope I did you start. Dis- I hope I get, did you a service in the intro, but I feel like I, there's probably some things missing in there. So feel free to to fill any gaps in. No, you kind of <laughs> got it. I've been podcasting on the paranormal since 2005 and uh, love doing it. It's always great to meet other podcasters and learn what they're up to and just talk about spooky stuff. So yeah, you pretty much uh, you pretty much nailed it. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Sorry, Mary, I kind of over overtook the, your no, your no. Uh, thing. Um, Running with it, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Um, so we know that you have extensive knowledge of the paranormal, and I assume you've had your own personal paranormal experiences, uh, as well as you've been able to interview quite uh, a bit of people about their paranormal experiences. So we've got quite a bit of um, things to unpack here. So to start things off, I mean, the obvious question we really have for you is, when were you first drawn towards the paranormal and and why? Oh, it was back in 1912. I mean, no. When, uh, <laughs> no, when I he was... He is a ghost. He's a yeah, living yes. ghost. <laughs> exactly. I'm old, but I'm not that old. No, when I was a little kid uh, in elementary school, there was a, uh, which kind of dates me and says how old I am, uh, there was a show on TV called In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And it was all about the paranormal. Now, it's kind of the way that I look at the paranormal. It wasn't just ghosts. But it's ghosts, UFOs, strange creatures, weird yes. mysteries. It was like everything. <laughs> and ever since I saw that show when I was a kid, and my family had a couple of great kind of spooky stories uh, that happened to them, uh, all of that combined for a lifelong kind of fascination with the paranormal. So in 2005, when I heard about uh, podcasting, I'd actually been uh, working in radio for most of uh, a dozen years, but behind the scenes in advertising because I'd gone to school for broadcasting to be in front of the camera and in front of the mic. And like so many other people ended up on the business side. So I thought, oh, I'm never going to end up in front of the mic and I'm never going to be able to do the fun thing where you're talking to people <laughs> and so forth. So I said, oh, I'll do this podcasting thing for a hobby. And uh, strangely enough, I think mainly because I was just so early on it, uh, right. It kind of took off a little bit, and I was able to go full-time in 2011 and feel very blessed to be able to do this full-time and really enjoy what I do. Yeah, like, I didn't even know there were podcasts in 2005. I'm going to be Nobody completely did. honest with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I that would, was I would quite email. the early adopter in you. I, <laughs> I have a communications background, and we talk about the transformation, like the, the history of communications and all the mediums that have come. I was still in like my infancy of, you know, I was in high school in 2005, so I had no idea like that pod. I, I don't remember that being part of my curriculum. Like yeah, that, everybody. That everybody had. This, it hadn't been popularized yet. <laughs> everybody had the same reaction. A pod? What? 
Yeah. What is that? Do I have to have an iPod? And I mean, it was so kludgy. (laughs) You had to like stick uh, your uh, like cables into your MP3 player. Most people didn't even have iPods and sync it up and have this special software. And it just, uh, and Apple did get into it in 2005, but it was just a whole nother world. That's why in particular, when Mm -hmm. somebody says, hey, I've been listening since the beginning, I'm like, man, you are dedicated and a glutton for punishment. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) we started five years ago and also are the people who have been listening to us for the last five years are absolutely a glutton for punishment because we did not have our audio (laughs) sorted until probably two years in. So... (laughs) It takes time. It takes, you know what? I can listen to a show that I did three years ago and I'm like, oh, I don't like the way that sounds. I mean, I think part of doing this is always trying to get better. And even an old guy like me, I'm trying to get better. I don't know if I'm succeeding, but I'm trying at least. (laughs) It seems like you're doing pretty well. Yeah, I was actually going to ask when, when you realized you could make a career out of the paranormal. So we've heard about how You've made a career out of podcasting. When did you realize that like paranormal, you can do this full time now talking about UFOs and Bigfoot and ghosts and whatever else? Well, actually, you know, something that's becoming more popular now is people have like premium offerings. And I started that in, believe it or not, I think it was, um, what year was it? Wait, I got mixed up. I started full-time in 2012, but in 2011, 2011, so I I misspoke there, but in 2011, I started my Plus Club where people could sign up and get access to more content. And like in the first day, I had 200 signups. And when that happened, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, (laughs) plus I had been getting some sponsors and those kind of things. But for me, the thing that makes it special and kind of cool is the fact that it's not just a business. I'm actually still interested in this stuff. I had a great conversation uh, today with a gentleman uh, who um, studies coincidence. And he thinks there's more to coincidence than just coincidence. Yeah. Wow. He, he actually, and I love this that. is not a dummy. This guy graduated from Yale Medical School and uh, has made a lifelong study of coincidences. And I really was having fun. And that's something to say. I've been doing these podcasts for 17 years and you still find them interesting, still find them fascinating. That's pretty rare and pretty cool. So I'm kind of blessed kind of 360 with the idea that it's still something that I'm still interested in. I still have great questions about, um, and I get to make a living at it. I mean, it is kind of a bottomless pit of content in this genre. Like it never really Mm -hmm. ends. Mm -hmm. It's surprising how many, there's always new things coming up, but there's always, there's always someone with a new story to tell and there's always, you know, a new experience. And then, you know, they announced that UFOs existed like a year ago or something. And then it was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess this isn't going anywhere. I think there's there's definitely something here. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, that's uh, that's great. That's great that you've been able to kind of take a passion and turn it into a, a full-time career and uh, also still find your full-time career um, interesting and not like so much work. Although I know you put out a lot of content, so I know you must be <laughs> – working a lot. How many hours do you podcast a week, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I probably work around 50 hours a week. And all of that is dedicated. I don't have a side job. I don't have an extra Mm -hmm. job. I don't have a Mm -hmm. side gig. 
This yeah. is my job. So either I'm editing, although we recently brought on some editors to help and they do a great job, but the, they only do some of the shows. And the other thing is I actually feel busier now than I've ever been. Um, I'm doing <laughs> business, business stuff, which I have to do for the podcasting or I'm doing something with the advertising or something with mm -hmm. one of the websites. There's always something to do. I come in with a full list of things I have to do every day. And strangely enough, the next morning I come into another full list of things that have to be done. Uh, right now, what we're trying to do is we record this on December 8th. I hope I didn't give away any secrets. That's but, okay. Uh, fine. But, no. but I'm trying to wrap up for the year so I can take a couple weeks off. And yeah. I'm, so I'm kind of working those two weeks like telescoped into these two weeks. So I'm actually working oh. just as much, but I'm just trying to get it in. Yeah, because I don't want to miss any content during the break. To your point, mm -hmm. we put out anywhere between, let's see, um, I would say on a typical month, we put anywhere between uh, 12 to, wait, no, that's wrong, a 12, 12 to 20 episodes a month. Wow. Depending yeah. on what's that's going like on. almost daily then. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. And Campfire, for example, wow. is 90 minutes a week. So it is a right. lot, but um, I really enjoy it. Uh, and I feel very blessed and I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just I knew when I looked at when I started researching you, I was like, he's got he's doing multiple po podcasts. He's also looks like he's got multiple podcasts underneath his umbrella of podcasts that he runs. I was like, this guy's doing so I think that a one one podcast a week is a lot and it's definitely nowhere near what you what you're doing. So anyway, um <laughs> I digress. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> Thank you. Um so I really would like to to kickstart uh the paranormal talk and uh ask you what has been your most compelling paranormal experience that you've personally experience, if there is one that you feel you can share? Well, see, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, they see full body apparitions or shadow people or things. I tend to have things happen that are kind of subtle. Uh, right. And one that happened to me that sticks with me happened to me a few years ago. I'd asked to go on a paranormal cruise and be one of the speakers, which was a lot of fun. And, um, we were actually, they had a little conference room in this ship. And uh, we this particular day, we were doing some talks, the different authors and things. And my turn was coming up. And I had had, unfortunately, I had a cold. This is pre-COVID. It was actually a cold. And um, <laughs> when you knew it was I a had cold, to go you get, weren't sure it was Yeah, when, the back other in the good old days, <laughs> yeah. when pneumonia was pneumonia. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the olden days. Yeah. Uh, but any, but anyhow, uh, I had to go get some coffee at the cafe to kind of warm up my throat for my presentation. You had to go through the casino to do that. And I saw one of the attendees playing this crane game where this claw comes down and grabs money. And I had a very intense thought of my late uncle who had passed a few years earlier. I was very, very close to him. He was like a second dad to me. And uh, actually, he lived with us growing up. So he really was like a second dad mm. to me. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, point being that I had an intense thought of him and say, I would love for him to be here because he loved to play those games like, um, you know, in discount stores or pharmacies or wherever they'll have those with the stuffed toys. And yeah. he used to always play those and he dropped like 10 bucks trying to win like a 99 cent little <laughs> cheapy Your toy. Your uncle and I have that in common. 
There you go. There. It's, a prob- hey. it's a problem. I knew, it's I, knew I had a kinship. I knew yep. I had a kinship yep. for you. Uh, <laughs> I bought one of those cards going- at Cineplex Odeon so that I can just yeah. play that just- that game. Yeah. <laughs> Over yeah, and like, over. Anyway. Like the ladies at the slot machines in Vegas. Yeah, that's me with the yeah. claw. Card. Yeah. yeah, this is the claw, yeah. Oh, Please anyway. gamble responsibly. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we are an explicit podcast. I don't think anyone over the, under the age of gambling age is listening. So hopefully, yeah, we don't, you know, yeah. influence we'll too many see. minors yes, or anything yes. like that. <laughs> so, but, but anyhow, what happened was, is I had this real intense thought of him. And it's like, gosh, I wish he was here because he liked to gamble a little bit too, not like big money, but he liked to play a football pool or he liked to, you know, play scratch off for lottery tickets or whatever. So he had that little streak in him. I said, man, I wish he were here. He would, he would love this because not only he's got his beloved claw game, he's going for money. Now he wouldn't, wouldn't win probably, but he would love it. (laughs) So this woman walks up to the side. I kid you not. This woman walks up to the side of the machine, cups her hand to her mouth and she goes, John, John my uncle's name. Oh, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Swear to God. And then a gentleman came over by, it must've been her husband or something. Okay. 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 But it was like, someone was telling you John is here. (laughs) Your uncle's there. Yeah. And to me, that's what it was, was somehow these things came into line. I had this intense thought, my intense care for my uncle and somehow he got the message back to me in a meaningful right. way to me that I see you. I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're thinking of me. Yeah. I think of you, too. Aww. And it's a funny thing with him. Um, he left a bunch of tools. I ended up with the tools because my my dad's elderly. So he has really no need for tools. And, you know, I'll have my toolbox and I'll have a drawer full of sockets and things. It's all mixed up. And I'll say, John, help me find the right socket, the right tool. And then I'll <laughs> go around for a second and sure enough, I'll pop up with the right thing. But, uh, you know, again, that's not that that claw experience. That's not traditionally what people would say. Oh, I had a paranormal experience. I mean, I didn't see it materialize in 3D in front of me sure. or anything. But to me... Sometimes that's the way the paranormal and the supernatural kind of sneaks into our lives by subtle mm-hmm. signs. So that's that's kind of my favorite story along that line. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think I think that's, that's really the core of my my experiences as well. I would say I think Marie's maybe were a little bit more Definitely. spookier than mine, but yeah, I would say mine feel more coincidence or not coincidence, but just those little things that happen that you're yeah. like, there's no yes. other what. I can't even explain this away. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So given that I've had more spooky paranormal experiences, and and given the fact that you've been in this line of work for quite a while, I want to ask what this if you've had any scary paranormal experiences, or maybe what maybe the three top stories that you've had from guests on your shows that maybe stuck with you in terms of that is really, really creepy or that is scary? <laughs> um, there's a couple that come to mind. There's one that I tell like on every show, so I feel badly, but I, I will share it with no, you. No, please share. Please uh, share. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it's scary, but in a different way. It's not like this monster is going to eat me kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this story is called The Roadhouse Saloon. And okay. our caller was named T.I., 
and she was in Michigan. She lived in Michigan, but she, uh, I think she had a camp that she would go to every year. This, as an adult, a camp her family would go to a campground or something up in Wisconsin. So this one time, her and another friend from the camp, his name was Bob, they went to see a band at a bar about an hour away from the campground. And they enjoyed themselves and stayed till two o'clock in the morning when they closed and actually went back and talked to the band because they were um, musicians. And uh, they left and they were going back to the camp and it's like all rural, two-lane roads, very dark, no lighting. And T.I., you know, about 10, 15 minutes, she says, I've got to go to the restroom. (laughs) And Bob says, well, pull up a tree because uh, there's (laughs) nothing out here. And she said, no, just just drive fast. So they go a little ways down the road and lo and behold, there is a bar and it's wide open and lit up and there's cars in it, neon signs. And it's like, that's weird. It's past closing time. That's probably illegal. Uh But they thought, hey, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. They pulled over. T.I. went inside you know, did what came naturally. Bob went to the bar and got a drink, uh, Coke at that point, I'm sure. And uh, they (laughs) sat back down and they were talking and Bob said, I'm so glad we came here because this painting on the wall here, this, this mural that's on the whole wall, it's an old West mural. I'd heard about that. Bob was also an artist and I'd always wanted to see it and I've never gotten to see it. So anyway, um, it was interesting because it was like an Old West motif. It was, uh, you know, like you see in the movies, a saloon with a bartender and uh, yeah. you'd have what, you know, what they used to call a dance hall girl standing there. And then okay. you had some guys playing poker at a card table. And the more they looked, they noticed that everybody in the painting, the people were also the real people in the bar. Oh, oh that's, boy. Now they thought that odd. was kind of weird, but 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 they thought, mm. well, you know, hey, it, maybe it makes sense because look, it might just be a case where like the artist, you know, was just painting the people that come to this place and included them in it and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They also noted this the people were kind of weird. They were kind of like, I don't know if people will see the video, but they're kind of smiling blankly and just no. kind of looking into space, just kind of kind of oddly. I'm people t- were kind of strange. I'm so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait. So anyway, (laughs) they've got this old jukebox in the corner. It's a Wurlitzer, one of those big, beautiful bubbler jukeboxes. My Nono has a Wurlitzer, yes. (laughs) Oh, those are so awesome. And this one played records. Yes. And uh, so anyway, the guy, you guys will be too young to know this song probably, but Chubby Checkers Let's Twist Again. Oh, yes. uh, Played that on the the jukebox. (laughs) And this guy put it on, comes over and goes to T.I. and smiles real big, has a lot of rotten teeth, and asks her to dance. And uh, T.I., who has a cane, holds up her cane and says, I don't do much dancing. She said she was glad she had that. (laughs) So anyway, a little time goes on. You know, it's kind of like, this place is weird, but let's finish our Coca-Cola. And uh, they're they're continuing to look at this painting and chat. And they notice something that they didn't notice before. There are two doors. They noticed the doors before. But in the doors, there's two little columns of mist, like misty columns they didn't notice. Hmm. And one column was taller than the other. And then they talked a little more and looked and looked like it was 
they were kind of developing like an old school Polaroid picture. These okay, and they were developing a little more, and then they could have sworn it looked like a man and a woman. Oh my god! Oh, and the woman had cowboy boots and curly hair, and Ti had cowboy boots and curly oh hair, and then they saw the cane. What? The woman had in the doorway had a cane. T.I. had a cane. Yeah. The man standing next to her was Bob. At that point, they decide to get out of Good the place call. saying, I'm getting out of here. Don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. Thanks a lot for the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're going out, the people are smiling and beckoning. Come back. Come back. They're like in some sort they of walk out. <laughs> they walk out. <laughs> they close the door. Everything goes black silent place is totally totally closed like it was never opened all the neon lights are off they Uh, turn around there is a car in the parking lot one car their car oh my god so anyway it's not over yet it's not over yet so anyway uh they go go home ti's telling her family and people and it's like ah you know Sure. You're imagining things. Sounds like Tia says, I will show you. I'm going to go back. (laughs) So she goes back with her, I think, sister a couple of nights later. They go at eight o'clock. They don't wait till two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning. And they walk in and there's a woman bartending. And Tia says, Oh, I was here just the other night. I was here just the other night. And uh, she said, Oh, that's great. She said, Yeah, there was this big, strapping, good looking guy behind the bar. Where's he at? <laughs> she said, I'm sorry. The only people that attend bar here are me and my elderly father. Oh, my gosh. So then T.I. decided, well, I'm going to go check out the jukebox. And there's a jukebox. And it's not a Wurlitzer. It's like a modern-day jukebox, and it plays CDs. Okay. No chubby checker. Oh, my God. And by the way, the mural is there, but no two columns of mist, no T.I. and Bob in it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, with that, T.I. leaves. She never goes back. But I've got a couple of addenda to this story. Okay. First of all, first of all, the place exists. Mm-hmm. It is real place. In fact, author Chad Lewis, who has been on my show, went there and took pictures and put them on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. The second thing is, uh, pre-pandemic 2019, I rode uh, up to Michigan with a professional videographer and did a segment. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jim Harold. <laughs> And, I thought you were uh, just going to say YouTube.com. That's it. You just go there. It's, they put it it's right, right there. there. Uh, well, they should, but I don't think they will. But anyway, I interviewed T.I., met her in person for the first time. She comes from a respected profession, a uh, very intelligent woman. And she told me the story the exact same way. And I believe her. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What did she go into a portal? I don't know. Sounds like it. It's that's yeah. what it well, sounds to like. To me, it sounds like a a dream or like a not that it was a dream, but it seems like a, almost like a premonitionary type. It could be that like you're like I'm envisioning this place, and I don't know if it exists or not, but like I can picture it in my mind, and it's almost like so real in your dream. And then when you go to see it, you're like I've seen this before, but 
but it sounds like she actually experienced this ex- entire thing in living color. Both so of them. it's like two of them. Y- yeah. So it's like, well, obviously she experienced what she experienced and it sounds like a portal of some kind to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's what it yeah. Like I to wanted me. to, I wanted to talk to the people that own the place because I'm sure right. they've been on, um, right. there's, um, uh, I'm sure people have co- gone there saying, Hey, uh, I heard your story on Campfire, and also then I talked to the people at the other Spooked podcast, not the Spooked podcast. Yes, work I with, know which that one other you're talking one. about. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> um, and they had asked me, "Do you have any good stories?" I said, "This is a person you want to talk to." So that that story has been circulated a lot. So I know they had to be approached. I called them and left multiple messages. Nobody ever called me back. So I guess wow. they're probably like, I mean, I don't know if they see it as a positive or negative. Now that was before the pandemic. As so many businesses, I have no idea what's happened to them after the the pandemic. But the place mm-hmm. does did exist at least as of twenty nineteen. Wow. wow, that's a good Jeez. one. It's a really yeah, good one, is... and one that's definitely not. You know, I don't know if our listeners have heard that one. Definitely maybe. not. No, they, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. They listen yeah, to this right. podcast, which is pretty popular, that's I don't know, or or yours, Jim. So you never know. Yeah, um, true, true. <laughs> um, now I want to ask you. Is there any place in the world that you would like to go do a paranormal investigation that you haven't had the opportunity to or, you know, it's just on your bucket list of places to visit that you feel you, uh, you'd you love to experience whether the paranormal is true or you could feel it for yourself? Right. Well, first of all, I've got to say I'm not a paranormal investigator. I've never no, no, said right, I am. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. No, no. But, but yeah. someplace I would like to go and maybe experience. There are quite a few, and, and I've got to kind of kick myself. I'm so busy sitting here behind this mic that there are places actually relatively close to me that I'd like to experience. One, uh, I have kind of an indirect uh, kind of uh, tie to. When I was a kid, uh, I, I'm from Ohio. My family was from West Virginia. And we would go back and visit my grandparents every year. And we would drive past what was at that time called the West Virginia State Hospital, which okay. most people who are interested in the paranormal, uh, paranormal known it, know it better as, and, you know, this is an unfortunate name, but the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. We covered this, We've yes. covered yes. that yes. one. We've covered yeah. and and that one. That one's a very compelling story, yes. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> being that I'm very familiar with that area, and it was about 35 miles from where my... Uh, my grandma lived and later my parents had a house in retirement. I'm like, I really should have gone to this. I need to check this out. So that's, that's when I definitely want to get to. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one one has the, it was a little girl. There was a lot of instances with this Mm -hmm. little girl in a room. She would throw like a ball back and forth. She would tell you to, I forget the whole, it's been a while since we did that one, but that one was, that one stuck with me. The name stuck with me. I remember when I did it, but yeah, that would be a very interesting place to go to for sure. For sure. I think yeah, so. Definitely. Yeah. Have you ever come across any skeptics in your work? And oh, sure. have you ever have you ever been able to prove any of them wrong or have them switch to your side? <laughs> well, no, I don't think any hardcore skeptics, but what I have had is I've mm-hmm. had people have called in the campfire and say, well, I don't really believe in this stuff, but here's what happened to me, which is almost yeah. as good. <laughs> yeah, I um, love that. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is that if you look at me, I've been saying this on interviews lately, if you look at me and if I were a gas gauge, I'd be about three quarters full for belief. I mean, that doesn't mean I believe every, sure. you know, every time somebody has an EFM 
EMF meter Reading. and goes into a place that it goes off. Sometimes it could be bad electrical, right? Sometimes right. it's a leaky mm-hmm. faucet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily... I think that's a little bit of skepticism, although I'm very open on my campfire show. I do not uh, judge people. I do not critique people. I do not cross-examine people. And Mm -hmm. the vast, vast majority of people, I think, are being very genuine who call into Mm -hmm. that show. I could count on one hand the amount of people I think were trying to snow me through the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's remarkable for literally thousands of stories probably at this point. But uh, getting back to your question is, I've interviewed, I've reached Mm -hmm. out to skeptics because I think even if we disagree with them, it's valuable for us as believers to have their perspective. So maybe sometime we can apply a little bit of critical thinking, even if they're wrong. You know, the my favorite skeptic who I spoke to was Dr. Michael Shermer. He is probably the second best known skeptic other than the late James Randi. And, uh, he was actually quite a gentleman. He was a nice guy. Um, he totally disagreed with everything I said and kind of vice versa, <laughs> but he was a gentleman about it. But um, two things. I, I said, Dr. Shermer, maybe we agree in over 90% of the cases, but what about those three, 4% you absolutely can't explain? Mm-hmm. Um, I, he said, well, we know those exist, but we put them up on the shelf. And I'm like, what? What? No, we need to take those down off the shelf, you know, and look at them. I don't understand. And the interesting thing about him is he actually had a story he wrote up for Scientific American American Magazine where he talked about something that seemed like a paranormal experience. And he never was able to explain it. He's just like, of course, there had to be a rational explanation for it. Blah, blah, blah. But it was like, it, it was basically, he was getting married later in life, I guess. And uh, his his uh, his wife that evening said, boy, I wish my grandfather could have been here. And they had a radio that belonged to him. And suddenly it started playing and it hadn't worked for years. And then it played that evening. They listened to music and I guess they danced the music. I think this is the story off the top of my head. And then it never worked again after that day. Wow. But of and course, he says there's some explanation. There must be some type of explanation. Right. And I think the thing is, I think what it boils down to, and I think you see this with people who, you know, they're 100% belief all the time and 100% disbelief all the time. A lot of times people will say, don't confuse me with the facts. Um, and I think if we're all, and I think this goes for every aspect of life, if we're a little less locked into our beliefs and a little more willing to listen to people, even if we disagree with them, I think we'd be in better shape. And I'll get off my soapbox now. No, they, <laughs> I actually, I read an article when I was doing a story and it said that people who are able to believe in things that are not familiar to them or have the willingness to look beyond what's in front of their eyes are actually considered, not considered, the article said, usually have higher intelligence. And I don't want to discredit people who are doctors who say, you know, absolutely, this did not, this didn't happen. I'm sure they're also very highly intelligent people. But there's a different type of, Mm -hmm. I think, intelligence that maybe is wrapped up in people who are a little bit more open-minded and willing to believe things that they themselves maybe didn't experience in their life. And I think you're right that uh, the world would be a bit of a better place if we were able to do that for one another. um, Yeah, yeah, 
the thing is, what I've gleaned through this 17 years of doing these shows, first of all, I don't know what's going on. Uh, when I first started, I thought six months, I'll be in, I'll have this all figured out, I'll have all the answers. And I actually have more <laughs> questions right now than I had yes. when I started. But I will yes. say this, I'm more convinced now than ever that we are dealing with something, something real. Now, it may not always be that ghosts are dead people. Maybe sometimes sure. there's a time slip factor. Maybe we're living in parallel universes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that reality is a lot more complex than we just see in our everyday life. And there's so much we don't see. I kind of, the comparison that I use is this. Imagine you're walking up to like an old English mansion and you walk inside and you go to a door and you go to open it. You know, it's the library, right? like one of those beautiful libraries they have in these old mansions. And it's locked, but there's a keyhole. And you can see in, and you can see that it's, mm -hmm. you can see it's a library, and you can see it's a lot of books. Well, mm -hmm. I think we're like that looking in through the keyhole. We don't know how many books they are. We don't know what language they're written in. We don't know what it says on the pages. Mm -hmm. So we just get a little glimpse, a little shadow of a reality. But there's so much more that we don't realize with our senses. That's kind of my working theory. I like it. Yeah. I like that theory. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the same vein, I mean, we've talked about your ability to create a career with the paranormal and, and talk to so many people. I had this question asked to me during a live um, news interview, and I didn't know if I answered it the way I should have, but I would like to know why do you think people are so obsessed with the paranormal with the afterlife. I think it's the same, not the same reason, but how people are obsessed with true crime. You know, why are they, why are they, why are people driven to learn and to understand the paranormal so much or, or get obsessive over learning? I mean, it's taken 16 years of your life. So I, I think you're one of those people. So. <laughs> well, I think we have a need to know or a want to know at least. I, I mean, the thing you mentioned, the afterlife to me, that's the ultimate question. Because I often say on the show, because people will say, well, what's your subject, favorite subject on these shows? Is it UFOs? Is it Bigfoot? Is it ghosts? Is it this? Is it that? I'm like, mm -hmm. it's the afterlife. What happens when we die? Because there's nothing else that I can talk to every person on the planet mm -hmm. and say, we're going to have a shared experience. But I hate to tell everybody, and it might be many, many years from now, I hope that it is, but we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And we all have to go through that process. Now, many of us, like me, believe that we live on. But I think everybody wonders what's next. Mm -hmm. What's mm -hmm. next? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there's also kind of the roller coaster factor, right? Why do people like roller coasters? Because <sighs> they can get in, they can have a thrill, but they're still relatively safe, but they feel like they're not safe. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I kind of look at ghost stories and those kind of things. There's that factor. But I also think underneath it all is this innate curiosity. What is this all about and what happens when we die? So I think you mm -hmm. put those things together and uh, you have a very powerful attraction and a very powerful pull for people. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
Amazing. Well, um, we like I said earlier before we started this, we're going to flip the script a little bit instead of you telling us okay. more stories. <laughs> Marie's done a little bit of digging um, and you reside in Cleveland, Ohio. So we got that one right. Mm-hmm. And we have a, mm-hmm. a little story to tell you. <laughs> and whether or not you've heard it or not, we don't know. But our listeners definitely haven't. So we're going to we're going to share it with you now. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. OK, so we're going to talk about the Variety Theater in Cleveland. Oh, I think I've heard of it, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. So on November 24th, 1927, the Variety Theater at West 118th Street and Lorraine Avenue opened with a screening of Clara Bow's Hula. In 1929, it was purchased by Warner Brothers, who kept it until 1954. It was extremely popular. It was often sold out day and night. And uh, it closed in the mid-80s. And since it closed, the seats that were once sold out have been empty. Kind of. The locals (laughs) say that it's haunted by a white figure who hangs out on the first floor by the water fountain. A man's spirit also lingers here, peering from the upper balcony with red eyes. Now, the Spanish Gothic vaudeville and movie house is regularly visited at night by caretaker Patrick Colvin with at least. 19 other people, or spirits. Colvin, a founder of the Friends of the Historic Variety Theater, who has led the campaign to restore the theater, told Cleveland.com, which is one of my sources, obviously, I know of at least 19 spirits that come in and out of that place. I know about a dozen of them by name. Two are former performers, I think, and several are people who have worked here. When I come in on my own at night, I can really feel them. I always take the very last seat on the far house right side. That's my seat. And I let them talk to me. When he enters the theater, he even greets them by name. Colvin says that he thinks the renovation plans may have stirred up the spirits at the Variety Theater, but in a good way. He says that the ghosts tell him often to keep going. Uh, They seem to want the theater to come back in all of its glory. Most of the signs that point to a haunting are obvious. Colvin points to lights turning off and on, doors closing and opening, loud noises and voices throughout the building. He says that most of the spirits here, I would consider them like Casper the Friendly Ghost. They're more mischievous than they are malevolent. But not all of his encounters have been so jovial. He recounts one encounter when he was working on the upper level. The story, and then this is a quote from him, the story goes that sometime in the 1930s, a stage rig guy fell onto a light bar and fell to the stage and died on impact. On Memorial Day in 2012, I will never forget the day, I was up there trying to pull the dead weights and a deep male voice said, pull it now. I thought, wait a minute, there's nobody behind me. Colvin pulled the weight when he was told to. I was afraid for a minute that I'd get hit and fall to the ground, but I was fine. He also says that there's another ghost that many visitors have seen. She's a woman in a white dress in the back of the auditorium. Her name is Clara, and people believe that she has performed at the Variety Theater. 
The Variety Theater was recently added to Cleveland Ghost Tours. So if you guys want to check it out. I will because I did not know that ghost story. You got me. I heard of the Variety Theater. I'd heard of that theater, but Mm -hmm. I did not know that story. Well, very good, Marie. Very good work. There you go. Thanks. Thank you. Very good research. I just wanted to... I just wanted to say uh, my other sources were news5cleveland.com and hauntedhouses.com. And good for you for quoting your sources. I think that's great. And the thing is, is that to me, theaters should be some of the most haunted places because they talk about places that have a lot of energy being Mm -hmm. haunted. And if you think about it, what could have more energy than a theater? Because there's drama played out, mm. happy, mm. sad, good, bad. Then mm-hmm. you've got people attending who, you know, they kind of go, you know, they laugh, they cry, you know, whatever. Lots of dates. <laughs> so yeah, a ton yeah. of energy in <laughs> those A lot theaters. of energy, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could totally see why they'd be hugely haunted. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you go. Awesome. So you well, can I'm go glad to you didn't that know one. that one. I was I was a yeah. little skeptical whether or not he'd be like, I know them all. In yeah, I know area, this. But there yeah. we well, go. There we go. <laughs> you know that that was uh, something that happened to me, which just kind of proves, you know, like a show like this, uh, a national or international show, I feel very comfortable. But one time I I was um, I got uh, a guest shot on a local Cleveland radio station. I came in and I sat down right. with them and we did a segment, and. Uh, you know, I told them, look, my show is not Cleveland-based. It is not based on Cleveland ghost stories. Right. And the first thing they get in me there, they start asking me Cleveland ghost stories. And I felt like saying, well, oh, you better no. get somebody else in here because <laughs> that's not what I do. They've done the same thing to us. They've done the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, having worked in radio, I know make everything local. I get it. Local, uh, yes. But, yes. you know. Well, that was the yeah. one thing. I mean, uh, <laughs> our, we're from a place called Hamilton, Ontario. It's just outside sure, of Toronto. Ham- but yeah, yeah, Isn't exactly. The tiger, is it the Tiger it's Cats? It's the Tiger yeah. Cats. There you go. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> amazing. We're so famous, well, this town. So yeah. Yeah, same, well, okay, same. so yes. And we've, we've, done, we've, we've done our fair share of Hamilton, you know, haunts. We've done those things. Um, and we've had people on from the area. But if we want to be featured in any local local news, it's like, okay, give us a story that hasn't been covered yet in Hamilton. And we're like, we're not investigators. I mean, we can <laughs> we can try. We can try to investigate, but we're probably not going to bring to the table anything new, in all right. honesty. And I'm not going to, we're not going to fake it. Um, so yeah, we'll it just is. talk about th- my childhood home. Yeah, we'll just talk it's about our childhood, <laughs> childhood and then we'll be fine. We'll just tell you yeah. our own personal experience. Um, well, okay. So before we, we wrap up, um, our show, it's not really wrapping it up, but, um, we do play a spooky edition of would you rather? So, yes. So if you, if, are you ready ready for, we've got about, we've got six questions. So yeah, we'll try and get through these, uh, in in the next 10 to 15 minutes, but yes, um, Marie, go ahead. (laughs) Would you rather be haunted by the ghost of a child or be a ghost who haunts children? Oh. <laughs> That's oh. one of my favorites. I know, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to, 
I guess be haunted by a child because I I wouldn't uh, want to do that to a child. That's you have that's children. My you have children. Always. <laughs> uh, well, they're not very much children anymore. Sure. One is okay. In uh, college, and one just graduated because I'm old. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, still, I, it's not been that long ago. No, I wouldn't want to haunt a child. So I guess I'd have to be haunted. <laughs> Yeah, yes, Marie being the mother, Everyone she always, always goes with that one, and and me not being a, a, a mother or have a maternal instinct. I guess I say I always would prefer to haunt children. So that's my answer. <laughs> um, okay, next question: Would you rather spend an entire night in a coffin underground or spend a night in a haunted hotel? Oh, the night in a haunted hotel, no question. <laughs> I, I would, first of all, do I have an air supply in this coffin? You know, I think you live. You question. will live. You aren't, you wouldn't die. It would just be underground I in a coffin. I mean, you may not even. I would take hotel a yeah. hundred times over. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's the easy one. Have you ever totally. been in a haunted hotel that you know of? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I'd ever been in a haunted coffin. No, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, I've been in two hotels that I believe had a history of being haunted. One, I didn't, it, this was before I was doing this full time. I didn't even think about it until um, my stay was almost over. And the second place, which is a beautiful hotel out in the, the west of the U.S. And I won't mm -hmm. say it because I don't want to, I mean, it was super <laughs> historic. You walked in and they had like a display of like a hotel register from 1927. And Ooh, it was like beautiful. walking into the friggin' shining. I mean, it I was great though. It was really nice and beautiful wood and we stuff. We had someone just interrupt you that was at the actual shining hotel. Right, recently, the, yeah, which is family, in BC. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, so anyway, the, the point was, is I'm like, I got to look this place up. This place has to be on it. And sure enough, mm. I found some stories online and I asked someone and they're kind of like, oh, we, we don't talk about them very much. <laughs> but that that's oh. interesting because some places embrace it from a business sure. perspective because it brings yeah. people in. And other places like we are a serious establishment and we <laughs> do not brook such conversation. I always wonder <laughs> yes. like what goes into their, because I'm a communications i have a communications and pr background i'm like what is the business discussions around being like no we're gonna embrace that we're a fully haunted yeah. hotel we like we want to attract that we, yeah. yeah we leaning into it or are we like fully not right. talking about it i'm always curious about that because the one the shining <laughs> hotel was like very much like yep this is i'm gonna give you the room actually that yeah, he sure. got inspired from so it's it's yeah it's interesting to to always know or hear that, uh, yeah. that, you know, whether or not they are willing to admit it. But yours apparently was not. So we won't talk. They about were it. not. And uh, when we go offline, I'll tell you what it is. Okay, cool. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Would you rather have dinner with Hannibal Lecter or with Patrick Bateman? Oh, somebody just asked me this. Really? Really? Oh, Definitely I'd have been on Hannibal Oh, okay. I, 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 I can't remember which show it was on because I've been on a few lately. Somebody just said, definitely Hannibal Lecter. Really? Because Patrick Bateman could just like, He's... you know, like cut your head off immediately. But with Hannibal, you feel like there would be some back and forth. And at least it would be interesting. Um, yeah, there's some engaging you know, the dialogue only thing before I would he worry about. Yeah, well, well here's why we're worried. Okay, we're having dinner with Hannibal Lecter, and you get in the middle your of dinner. the meal. Well, you, you get dinner. in, you actually, no, you're eating dinner with him. In the middle of it, you say, what is this meat? It is just delicious. Oh, my God. 
And then, you know, he does the big reveal and says, it's uh, one of my friend and enjoy oh the fava god. beans. Oh my god. It's my friend. Yeah. Oh, I feel man. like I feel like I'd have a chance against Patrick Bateman if I was like you prepared, do, you know. And what does like, Paul Allen's yeah. card say? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I couldn't I couldn't sit across from Hannibal Lecter knowing that he was probably like after this, I'm gonna eat you. Like you are the meal next, you know. I also feel like <laughs> it's kind of like you're like when Hannibal. you go to Costco. I don't. Do you have Costco up there? Costco? Yeah, yes, we have. Costco. You go to Costco and you see those big cases. That's how he's looking at you. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah, both both creep me out. I don't know. I I agree with the Hannibal. Just if I'm gonna go out, I might as well have some intellectual conversation first. Before. Exactly. Um. Okay. My my next question is, would you rather have a new Saw movie or a new Scream movie? Oh, Scream. Yeah? Even though there was just a new one, you'd you'd be fine with another one, eh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think I'm more of a scream scream person than a soft person. I love them both. Those are two of my like favorite um series. What's like the, the word I'm what for? Are they, like series. What? Yeah. No, they're not both a series. Them I can't but, pick. Yeah. That's you fair. Saw um, is just a little, it's a little, and my anxiety is a little too high during Saw. So. You know, I yeah. just, for the first time over the Halloween season, I was behind the times. I just saw Heredity for the first time. And I like watched it in the basement of our house because oh we have a nice little area to watch movies and stuff. Great film though. So yeah. everybody else was in bed and then I'm like going through the house looking for Tony Collette in a corner somewhere. Mm -hmm. the ceiling. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> there she is. Um, that uh, movie was, I love it. I love yeah, all of those movies. Yeah, but it's a great Traumatizing movie. Yeah. when that girl gets yeah. just, no, it's oh, yeah. just too much. It's yeah. a lot. Anyway. Would you Go rather ahead. be lost in the woods with a killer on the loose or locked in a haunted insane asylum? Hmm. I don't know. I hmm. think, mm, see, that's tough because with the woods, theoretically, you could escape. But you know the person that's out there is a killer, so probably looking for you. Uh -huh. In the asylum... You know, we don't know that anybody in the asylum is violent. They might just be disturbed. Sure. So I almost will go counterintuitive there and say the asylum. I think I agree with you on that. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. I think that there's probably a, a probability you'd make make it out of the asylum um, unscathed versus I don't the, like I don't like the idea of being locked in, I don't though. like that, but you thought, like, no, how no, am no, I, <laughs> yeah, like, how am I like, ever going to get out? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like, am I now living here forever? Do I have to now, you know? Right. Like, right. That's, that's true. what I mean. That's Is true. it for a night? Am like, I setting up shop to... here? Do I just make myself we're, comfortable? We're missing, but... we're missing information. We're missing yeah. information. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. But we'll just based to, yeah. on this, I, I'd say insane asylum, just with the information that's been given. I agree. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. went, sorry. I asked, did you, did I ask that or did you ask that, Marie? I'm like literally, you the asked. The insane asylum? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I You're maybe, next. I got locked in an insane <laughs> asylum for a second there. Um, okay. Uh, would you rather know when you die or how you die? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, I think that I'd rather know when I die because I think that's yeah. far more useful information. 
I mean, you can do something with that. I mean, if you know how you're going to die, well, okay, let's say, God forbid, you get the news that you're going to die from a car accident, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't mm-hmm. know when. You'd be afraid to get into a car ever again in your life. Sure. That's true. If you knew That's when true. you were going to die, and and, and this is not make life light of people that are in terminal situations or anything, mm-hmm. but if no, you, I, I have heard people who have said that they're terminal and Honestly, we're all terminal. We just don't know it. Right. But, right. Uh, and some may have longer than others, but you get my drift. But the mm-hmm. point is, let's say that somebody said you're going to die when you're 60. Well, I would know that I got to make <laughs> the best of the, the, the remaining years. So I, I think when I think it would have it would be a bummer unless like they say, oh, you're going to die when you're 99. I'm like, party on. Give me another Sick. drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but the the point is Let's make some bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna be here down ninety nine. So what the heck? Uh, so <laughs> I'll take two bagels, please. Thank you. Uh, so uh, so I think and and seriously, if it were a short amount of time, at least you would know. Hey, I better spend as much time with. And I guess this should be a rule anyway. Um, and, and actually, to get serious for a minute, Steve Jobs, I don't know if you've ever seen that commencement speech he gave. I don't know if it was Stanford or something. Mm-hmm. And Clips he basically said, yeah, basically he said something like, uh, if you want to get motivated, this is paraphrasing, if you want to get motivated, remember someday you're going to die. Mm-hmm. So in other words, make the most of the time that totally. you've got. Yeah. And we all, I know I forget to do it. And I get stuck in mundane stuff and things. But anyway, not to get philosophical, but I would say, definitely say when rather than how. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm with you on that too. Mm-hmm. Murray, yeah? You think you're with? Yeah. No, that's it. That's the last one. I'm with you. Yeah. There we that's go. It. There we go. I'm with you. Yeah. Not to yeah, be a downer, man. No, no, no. I mean, no, it was, I it was a deep question. We've never positive. asked anyone that question, yeah. I don't think. So, yeah, I wanted See, to. Easy I wanted ones to for me, that. do you? I did. I did. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. So this isn't a, we're all done. We knew our you could would handle you it. That's why. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, we're all done our would you rathers. But my second to last question is, who in the paranormal community do you think we should have on this podcast? Oh, that's a, wow, there's a lot of people. I'm trying to think of recent <laughs> guests. Recent guests. Um, hmm. Uh, geez. Well, that's tough. That's I mean, you really don't have tough. to give, give the, us their like contact information or anything. You just, t- no, just no, no, who no, do you no, think no, is no, like a very, bad. like would be I'm a compelling. I'm trying to think of who that I've spoken to who is compelling lately. Um, mm-hmm. The sad thing is, is there's one person that I would have immediately said, but uh, unfortunately they're no longer with us. That would have oh, been Rosemary no. Ellen Guiley. Um, Mm. she was maybe one of the best guests I ever had ever. Um, she was someone who was able to really research at a great degree, all of the supernatural stuff and uh, just did such a good job of it. She, she has multiple books out. I highly recommend her, but, uh, that was the, that was the person who I immediately thought of, but for obvious reasons that, uh, that, uh, that's not going to work out. I'm happen. trying to think. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally looking here and seeing who I yeah, think would time. be 
really, really interesting for you guys in terms of, um, in terms of uh, a guest. And I'm vamping a little bit here. Let me take a look. Uh, oh, I don't. I mean, I kind of want to have the con- the 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 coincidence guy on, to be honest, because that's something that I yeah. that's Actually, super he's compelling. Really good. Cool. <laughs> he's really good. There's no yeah. question of it. Uh, there's a number of good guests I've had over the years. David Weatherly is a great guest. If you're into cryptids and those kind of things, he's fascinating. And with him. Uh, and I haven't had him on a while. I'm going to have to reach out to him. Uh, he's talked about this idea of tulpas. Have you heard of tulpas? Are you familiar no. with tulpas? Tulpas no. are kind of an idea that come from the Far East. I think it's from Zen Buddhism that people can think of things and create them. Of, of okay. People. Yeah. Yes, In fact, I there's a know. famous Canadian experiment, I believe it was the Philip experiment. You're familiar with that? The Philip experiment? No. Oh, where basically a group of People came together. They were, I think it was in Canada. It might have been actually in Toronto. And they did this seance for this ghost that didn't exist. And then the ghost started to manifest. And it's called the Philip Experiment. There's like a Hollywood movie that they did recently about this. Yeah. About not oh, not about like that specific story, but, but that about, kind but of about idea. That, yeah. The, yes, the study. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not saying he's the only guest, but that would be a good guest. Would be David Weatherly. He does a lot about cool. cryptids and so forth, but a very very deep uh, deep thinker. One of one of my favorites. So I'm sorry, it took me a minute, but no, the, you know, no, the, no, the, no, the no. Neurons are slow. The neurons. Well, are slow. I mean, I <laughs> I love you've talked love to a lot of people so. about cryptids too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. a very yeah, good one because we really haven't we we haven't done a lot on that. And the yeah. other thing is, is that um, I, when people ask me my favorite campfire story, I've done so many that sometimes like, it's like, okay, I know they're in there somewhere, but I gotta yeah. pull one out. Yeah. Lots of, many years of, of yes. them too. Uh, finally, we just want you to tell our listeners, where can they find you and learn more about your books and your podcasts online? Yes, I would direct everybody to the free podcasts. They can go to jimherald.com, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. They can look me up on all the podcast apps. I think for your audience, they would really gravitate towards Jim Harold's Campfire. That's the show okay. where real folks call in with their true ghost stories and tell it in their words. That's probably our most popular show. And then if you want to do a little deeper dive and hear interviews, with fascinating people, you can look up the Paranormal Podcast. And uh, Marie and Nicolina, uh, uh, I, I I just want to thank you so much for taking time and having me on the show. I know you're going to tell me some campfire stories, and we're going to include that in a future campfire episode. But I want to mm-hmm. thank you both. It's been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed it. Oh, good. We've enjoyed it, too. Thank you for taking the time to come onto our show. We loved yeah. having you. Super thankful to have you on the show. Uh, excited to get it out and for our listeners to to hear it. And um, you know, as we say, uh, stay spooky. Yeah, that's showbiz, everyone. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.